notebooks out and then we're going to have a bit of worship and uh, receive the Holy Spirit as Joe finishes. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for our amazing location pastor, the wonderful Joanna Hogreaves. Great. Uh, sorry, I thought we were going to do a bit in between, so I was just... Let me just get sorted. So while I do, uh, do you want to turn to your Bibles? We're going to be reading from Romans 8. Um, can I have a bit of light on the stage? Sorry, I can't. Um, is there a light that goes? Can we have a light? Just, just, just a light would be good. I can't, um, I can't read my Bible. Um, so we have been doing our series. We've been based in Romans. We've been looking at life in the Spirit. We've heard some great messages and maybe just one, oh, that's a bit bright. Dan won't like it. He likes to create atmosphere. So um, with just this one, um, I'll tell you what, actually. Can I have a phone? I'll have a phone with a torch. There you go, Trev. Ah, oh, thank you, big Trev. Jump and show you where the torch is. Scroll up. And then I'm going to receive Trevor's. I feel like this is a gift from Trevor. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll leave it there. Is that okay? Because otherwise you'll have to stand up there the whole time because I'm dipping in and out. So I'll just pop it there. Thank you. If you, yeah, if you get a text message, I'll just read it and see what's going on. See what's going on in the life of Big Trev. Anyway, so we've been doing Life in the Spirit. We've been looking at um, Romans. And I love um, the message paraphrase uh, written by Eugene Peterson. Uh, the NIV calls it the title for chapter eight, Life in the Spirit. Um, and the message calls it the solution is life on God's terms. I love that. The solution is life on God's terms, doing things God's way. And it's Pentecost Sunday and Dan's going to come and wrap up this message with a time of us being able to, um, being able to, I say receive the Holy Spirit, but I want to be really clear on the theology this morning. When we say yes to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. If you've said yes to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't something external that we always have to be chasing. The Holy Spirit comes as a deposit in us when we say yes to Jesus. We read, don't we, again and again in the Old Testament about the building of the temple, the destroying of the temple, the, re the going to be the rebuilding of the temple. The Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, is all about the temple. Now we move into the New Testament, which literally means the new promise, and we are the temple. We are the temple of God. Jesus talks about, in three days I will destroy this temple because no longer do we need a building or an ark for God's presence to dwell in. He comes and he lives and breathes in us. So I want to be really clear this morning that when we say yes to Jesus, whether we've said it for the first time or a hundred times, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Now we do need a top up. So when we're praying for people today, we can be praying for people to encounter Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, or we can be encounter, we can ask that you encounter the Holy Spirit again, that we get refueled, refilled, so we can go out and live life in the Spirit. So I'm going to get straight into the scripture. If you want to read it in a different version, we're reading Romans 8, chapter 9 to 11. Um, but I'm going to be reading it in the message, just because I've, oh, it's, I think maybe NIV is coming up on there, but um, don't worry too much about the PowerPoints today. Uh, thanks, Katie. Um, I've gone a little bit off-piste, um, so maybe don't podcast it either, because I might get in trouble for that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, okay, so let me read it from the message version. And after this, Trevor, I'll give you your phone back. It says, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. 
saying, when God comes to live in you, it's like John the Baptist prays, didn't he? May I decrease so he may increase. That should be our prayer. Less of me, God, more of you. Help me to do life on your terms. So we mustn't think of ourselves more than we think of God. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about this morning, come and chat with us after, because we would love to invite you into this. The invitation is open to everybody. But for you who welcome him in, which is hopefully us as a gathered church this morning, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of your sin, Now, remember when we first started this, we looked at that brilliant struggle, that vulnerable struggle that Paul was really honest about the chapter before in Romans where he's saying, I know what I want to do, but I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, but I end up doing it. He's talking about that struggle between the flesh and the sin. And I've been reading the Gospel of Matthew in the message version, and Jesus puts it so well when he speaks to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's asking Peter just to keep watch with him for just an hour. And what does Peter do? He falls asleep. Just just like you said, sometimes we get distracted in our prayer life, don't we? Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus himself is saying, just keep watch with me. Just stay awake. Just pray with me for one hour. And what does Peter do? He falls asleep. And Jesus just brings this brilliant line. Your spirit is full of zeal, but your body is like a lazy dog by the fire. Isn't that like us sometimes? That's that struggle between us. I know what I want to do. My spirit's full of zeal. I know. I hear the word and I know how I want to live. But then I go home and I kind of become like a lazy dog by the fire. That's the struggle that this is talking about. But there is a but because we know we have the God. We have God's spirit living and breathing in us. So it says, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. Please, God, let us experience life on your terms, not on our own terms, not our own way of doing things. Please, God, help us not to think our own thoughts. Help us not to do things our own way. Help us not to have our own perspective, but according to his terms. Now, it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Wow, let's not skirt over that. When God moves into our life, he does the same thing in us that he does in Jesus. Now, you know all the miracles Jesus did. All the amazing things he did, the miracles, the casting out of demons, the suffering, the amazing things he did. You know, he's God and man, fully God, fully man. All those amazing things he did, you know, he did that in his humanity. He didn't do that out of his deity. We read he puts aside his majesty and he does those things out of his humanity because the Holy Spirit dwells in him. Now, remember when he gets baptized, he comes along to John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. But Jesus says, no, it is written. And he gets baptized by John. John baptized him. As he baptized him, we read, don't we, that the heavens open, that the dove, the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him. 
just because I'm really into this kind of thing. Isn't that a beautiful picture of right at the beginning when the Holy Spirit broods over creation to create something beautiful? So again, we see the heavens open. We see the Holy Spirit and we hear the voice from heaven. This is my son of whom I'm well pleased. And he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of all those things, then he goes and does the things that Jesus does, which is why he says, you will see greater things than I. Because the same spirit, this verse is telling us, the same spirit, the same stuff that Father God did in Jesus, he will do in us as well because it's the same spirit. I said a couple of weeks ago, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no OAP Holy Spirit. There's no different nationality Holy Spirit. It's all one, one Holy Spirit. And he will do the same or she will do the same. I've unpicked that a little bit, haven't I, with the language that we talk about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Ruach, the breath of God, feminine Hebrew, Greek neuter, Latin male. So let's not box God. He, he, he. (laughs) Amen. Father God, Jesus the Son, but Ruach, the breath of God, again and again, if you talk to a Jewish person in the Holy Spirit, it's very, in, um, in the, the Jewish people about the Old Testament, it's a very feminine view around the Holy Spirit. So if you are a woman in here today, I want you to know that you're not discounted from the Trinity, that God has included you. It's important. That's not heretical. It's linguistically correct and it's biblically correct. It might not always be what's taught from the front, but I feel a passion in my bones to, to preach that truth. Um, where was I? <laughs> Let's get back into the word, shall we? Okay, so it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Also, it's baptisms next week. If you're looking for a sign to get baptized... This is it. The word of God is it. That's, that's the sign. We follow Jesus. We do what he did. So if you haven't been baptized yet, we'd love to invite you to do that. Okay, so let's finish up the scripture. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. Hallelujah. We are delivered from a dead life. We are alive in Christ. With his spirit living in you, your body will be alive, as alive as Christ's. And I want to stand on that truth this morning for some people in our family. That when the spirit lives in you, your body is alive, as alive of Christ's. If your body's physically sick this morning, I want to pray and prophesy and declare over you that with the spirit living in you, which we know it does when you say yes to Jesus, your body is alive alive as Christ's. I want to prophesy and speak to those of you who are struggling in our mind and our souls. When the Spirit lives in you, your soul, your body, your spirit, you are as alive in Christ. I feel like we should be slightly more celebrational about this this morning. I'm not usually like a pusher for amens like Dan, but it's Pentecost Sunday. The Spirit has come. Everything's changed. The temple no longer needs to exist because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the temple. If I was an American, I'd tell you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. You can do that if you want to, if it, if it fires you up this morning. But this is life changing stuff. This isn't just a good message to stir us up and make me feel good. And that this isn't it. It's life changing stuff. Everything's changed. Now, why did God send the Holy Spirit? Because we can't do it ourselves. 
I don't know about you. I don't know if you struggle, but I struggle. I cannot do it in my own strength. I can't. I know when I need that top up of the Holy Spirit because I'm snappy and I'm irritable and my heart gets a bit hard. And that is my warning sign. The Jaffa cakes, you know this, my Jaffa cake theology, when I eat too many, is my warning sign that I need a top up from the Holy Spirit. We all have our warning signs. You'll all have them. The red light, something that God's just flashing in your life to say, you need a top up. You can't do it in your own strength because we weren't created to. We were never created to. We were created for our spirit to connect with God's spirit and for us to walk as one. But the fall happened and it divided it. And all of a sudden, we became away from God. But the good news, Jesus came to reconcile. So now again, our spirit is connected to his spirit because we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We're not, wow, that's not mine. <laughs> As uh, Lawrence Neeson came to do some great teaching with our academy guys, that totally changed it for me. I'm not having a, a human being, having a spiritual experience here, there, and everywhere. We are spiritual beings that are having a human experience in earth. Look at it, we're in exile. We're in a land that doesn't really make sense. We're in a land where we're told to worship gods. Can anybody see something? I'd like some parallels with the Old, Old Testament here. We're in a land where, again, we're told to worship all these gods and we get persecuted for talking the name of the one true God because we're spiritual beings having a human experience in a broken, messed up body. And we are, I love it, I can't remember his name. Richard Raw. I don't know if anybody reads any of any of Richard Raw, um, but he, yes, he's he's. Ab, I'd absolutely recommend it. Um, Bria, your fellow does, doesn't he? I know that. So I'd really recommend some of his writings. He talks about how we're clumsy stewards of our own souls, and we are, aren't we? We're spiritual beings, and we're just clumsy stewards of our own souls in our broken bodies. But we don't need to do it on our own because the very Spirit of God can live and breathe in us. The Spirit of God, we need the Spirit of God to remind us who we are, whose we are, because I don't know about you, but I easily forget. I forget who I am and whose I am. And there are all kinds of spiritual experiences around, aren't there? All kinds of spiritual experiences that promise to tell us who we really are, but they're all counterfeits. They're all counterfeits. None of them are truth. The truth is we need the spirit of the living God to come and leave, live and breathe in us. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we can't do it on our own. Take a deep breath. The person on your left can't do it on their own. The person on their right can't do it on their own. None of us can do it on our own. But we open our hearts. We say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. We're filled with the power and the presence of God in you, in you. I feel like I'm slightly more excited about this than you are this morning. Maybe you'll go home and be privately excited about it. But it's essential that we get an understanding of this. Lorraine did a great job, didn't she, looking at that idea of adoption, that she brought the Greek and all those different kind of, all the different language around, um, around um, being a son and a, was it a dortier? that you are a son, a daughter of God, and we must know our identity. So for the last five, probably, I think, 10 minutes, seven minutes or so, and then we'll have 13 minutes. I'm trying to be accurate because I'm terrible at maths. Um, okay, don't worry about the maths. Just get on with it, Dan's saying. Okay, that's fine. 
Okay. But I want to talk about, we mentioned this, um, we mentioned this a bit in our connect groups, but I want to talk about how does this idea of God living and breathing in you outwork its way in your everyday ordinary life? Because this is what we want, don't we? We want to read the scriptures and rather than just tick it off our Bible reading plan or feel all nice and spiritual because we've read the book of Leviticus or whatever it might be, we want to be able to take these God-breathed words and apply them to our lives. So our relationships are different. The way we do our shopping is different. The way we speak to our parents is different. The way we handle difficult situations is different. This is why the Word of God is given to us. So it impacts our ordinary, everyday life because it speaks to us again about identity, who we are and whose we are. And I just want to unpack that a little bit. Okay, so I want to have a look at the idea of identity because, you know, Um, Actually, you know that song, the Bethel song. I love it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You can, I'm no longer a slave to the old way of thinking, to the old way of responding, to the old way of doing things. And believe me, I need to remind myself of this a hundred times a day. I'm no longer a slave to that old way of doing things because I know my identity. I am a child of God. And this declaration, it comes straight from Romans 8, 15. And it's telling us, when you're in fear, reconnect with the Spirit of God. Remember your identity. When you're faced with difficult choices, reconnect with the Spirit of God. I'm pointing up here. Actually, I should be pointing in here. Reconnect with the Spirit of God living and breathing in you. When you're overwhelmed with temptation, reconnect. When fighting a battle, reconnect. When facing an identity crisis, reconnect. The Holy Spirit came to do that for us, to constantly remind us who and whose we are. Not so we can feel good about ourselves and be in a nice holy huddle and pat ourselves on the back saying, aren't we progressing through life well? No, we know who and whose we are so we can go out and do the stuff. That's what we see in Acts. The Spirit came on them and in them to send them out to go and do the stuff. So the way we do our ordinary, everyday life is not the same. The spirit of fear wants us to think like orphans. The enemy wants you to think like an orphan this morning. To feel like you're insignificant, like you're powerless, like you're alone. And to react by doing exactly what this scripture tells us not to do, by focusing on ourselves. When we feel like that, we become all self-focused. But the scripture's telling us, don't focus on yourself, focus on the spirit. The spirit is reminding you of who you are and whose you are. And it is recommissioning you to live a life in the spirit or life according to God's terms. Oh, thank you. So whenever we start acting like this, this is a Danny Silk quote. Whenever we start acting like this, it's a sign that when we fall into fear, it's a sign that we've forgotten who we are as sons and daughters. We are those who have unlimited, we have access to unlimited resources of love, courage, wisdom. All these things are available to you because God doesn't dwell in a temple, God dwells in you, that you have access to all these things. Fear drives us away from people. It drives us into self-protective mode, but love drives us towards people. And how do people know that we're Jesus' disciples? By the way, we love each other. When we disconnect, when we go off in fear, when we don't remember who we are, we diminish the very thing that God's called us to do, to love each other. 
So I want to go through three things. I know you might have gone through these in your Connect Group notes. Um, Lorraine touched on it, um, but I want to unpack them because I want to look at how this ordinary, how this, this eternal, heavenly thing works, it, works its way out in our ordinary everyday lives. Are you with me? Okay, so, okay, I want to look at the difference between people who know they've got the Spirit dwelling in them and the people who don't. People who think like slaves and people that think like sons and daughters. Okay, so three things here. The first one is I want to look at the idea of withholding, scarcity mentality. I've touched on this a bit. I'm really passionate about people not withholding. If you see something brilliant, tell them. If someone's beautiful, tell them. If someone's gifted, tell them. If you see Jesus moving in someone's life, tell them. Don't withhold it. Don't hold on to it for yourself. That scarcity thinking that comes from people who don't know their identity. Are you following me? When you know your identity, when you know that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, then that's a deposit that means that you belong to God, that you have a direct connection with him. We don't have to have a scarcity mentality. Thank God that we're a generous church. When we talk about tithes and offerings, when somebody says, oh, I've started tithing, I celebrate, not remotely interested in the amount. Wouldn't even occur to me to look at it. The reason I celebrate is because it's an identity thing, a heart thing. It's somebody knowing who they are, and it's knowing that they don't have to hold on tight to their resources, that they can be open-handed. That's why we talk about being generous. People who are not clear in their identity get caught in slavish thinking. We call it maybe a poverty mentality around their time, their treasure, their talent. I remember God speaking to me really specifically about this scarcity mentality when I was in a hotel room and I was like, right, what's free? What can I take? I'm going to take the shower cap, the shampoos, the teas, the coffee. I don't even drink coffee. And I was putting it in my bag and I felt God was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you remember what I said to the, to the Israelites? Um, do you remember what I said to the Israelites about um, the manna? Don't hoard it because it will go off. Don't hold on to things. Don't gather up things for yourself. I felt like, God, just whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you don't need that. You don't need that. There's something in your mind around a scarcity mentality. Quick, like my nana, wherever we go out for dinner. She was Italian. Put it in your handbag, she always used to say. Go on, the, all the sugar sachets. Lena's laughing. Would you do the same? Go on, put it... Jojo, she used to call me Jojo. Jojo, put it in your handbag. Uh, um, I'd, so I'd grown up with that. Go and put it in your handbag. I'd say, whoa, G whoa, you don't need to. You don't. There's no scarcity mentality. Because when we're not a slave went to fear, when we know our identity, we know that we are secure. And when we're secure in our adoption, we know that we belong to a kingdom of abundance. That it's Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly and abundantly more, that we can trust God to give us our daily bread. That's what God was talking to me about. I don't think God minds if, I, if we take the coffee or the shampoo. I really don't think he minds at all. Probably he makes him chuckle. But he needed to speak to me about he was the God of the daily bread. He needed to speak to me about my very identity, that I have the spirit of God living and dwelling and breathing in me and that it changes my identity. You have the Spirit of God living and breathing in you, and it changes everything. We don't need to hold on tightly to things. God does not ration out his Spirit in bits and pieces. That's what the message translation in, in um, the Gospel of John says. God doesn't ration out his Spirit in bits and pieces. He's lavish. And then we heard this great bit of teaching at Cherish. So good on the feeding of the 5,000. You know, after the feeding of the 5,000... 
there were 12 baskets left. One for every disciple who had a scarcity mentality. I love that. That at the beginning, we don't have enough. We don't have enough to feed them. How often do we think that? Oh, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough. We don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. God, and that's what, exactly what the disciple says. And Jesus says, there you go, 12 baskets left over. One for every single one of you that withheld, that had a scarcity mentality, because everything has changed. I, can't, I think it was um, Priscilla who brought that, um, but it's just brilliant. Really spoke to me. So when we know our identity, we don't get caught in slavish thinking around withholding and um, scarcity mentality. Okay, when we know who we are, we don't need to get caught in a sense of disconnection. If we live in a sense of disconnection with God, all our relationships will be disconnected. Our first and foremost connection is between us and God. The Spirit has come to dwell in us so there is an eternal connection between us and God. Slavish thinking, not knowing who we are, affects the way that we relate to God, to ourselves and to other people. And we always find ourselves disconnecting. God's plan isn't for us to be disconnected. We are a body who is wholly connected and knitted together through the Spirit. It's not God's design for us to be disconnected. Often that disconnection works its way out as being self-protective, overly critical, disconnecting from other people when we feel unsafe. This is really well exhibited in the life of Saul. We haven't got time to unpack that this morning, but it could be a whole preach or a whole series. Slavish thinking, not knowing who we are, can lead us to punish others, withhold affection, encouragement when we feel threatened. We see it in Paul in Saul, don't we? They talk, talked about Saul. Saul's killed his thousands, but David kills, has killed his tens of thousands. Saul wasn't rooted in, in his identity, so then everybody paid the price for it. Everybody benefits when we know who we are. When we know that the Spirit of God is living in us, everybody around us benefits. Our family benefits, our workplace benefits, wherever we go benefits. We've got a responsibility. Sons and daughters know that there is no disconnection between us and God because we have the Spirit living within us and that we're intimate, intimately connected. And then just really lastly, just the, we'll just spend a minute on this because I want to allow Dan time to do... Um, we want to create space for the Holy Spirit. This isn't a theory thing. We can't just learn about it. It's great to read the scriptures. Um, but all the scriptures point us to us moving towards opening up our lives, stepping forward, welcoming the Holy Spirit in. Okay. Slavish thinking, not knowing who we are, can lead us to be incredibly insecure. You know, God's breath in us should make us feel secure. There is nothing in the universe that should make us feel more loved or more secure than knowing that God lives and breathes in us. If that doesn't make us feel secure, nothing will. No amount of shopping, no amount of money in the bank, no amount of likes on Facebook or whatever it is, nothing. If that can't make us feel secure, nothing else will. When we're not secure in our sonships, we can find ourselves striving and working to earn approval with God. Forgetting that his grace and acceptance is a free gift received by faith in Jesus Christ. We can get caught in the trap of being a people pleaser, can't we? All the time when we don't know who we are, that the deposit, that we've got the Holy Spirit living in us, we can earn, run and look for other people's approval. But we should be so secure, safe in our adoption, that we can work. Everything we do is from the foundation that we're loved, that we're secure, 
because of the atoning work of the cross and because of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. So I'm going to read you one thing um, before I hand to Dan because Lorraine did such a great job of telling us about Roman adoption and what happened. And actually, Lorraine brought something where she, she talked to us about how Roman adoption was, was, um, adoption was really, um, it happened all the time in uh, first century Palestine when they were under Roman occupation. It happened all the time. And there used to be a ceremony. And what they did was when a son was adopted, son or a daughter, it was usually a son, but when somebody was adopted into a family, they had a ceremony. And let me talk to you about this ceremony. Because what they needed at the ceremony were seven people who would testify to the adoption. And we found, we managed to research what was actually said at one of these adoption um, services. So take into account that we're looking at it from the point of view that we have been adopted into God's family and the Holy Spirit lives within us. And this is what they say. So if that adoption ever came to be discredited or if the person who was adopted ever came to doubt it, they would have seven witnesses and they would call them and one of them would have to say, I was present at the ceremony. It was I who held the scales and struck them with the ingot of brass. It was an adoption I heard the words of the vindication, and I say this person was claimed not as a slave, but as a son. And the link here is glorious and really shouldn't be missed by us. Because when we fall back to slavish thinking, when we fall back to trying to do things in our own strength, we have a witness who will testify and remind us of our adoption. That's exactly what Paul was talking to. He was talking right into the culture. So when we forget, or you know when the person to your left or to your right forgets, you can just put your arm around them and say, you've been bought, not as a slave, but as a son, as a daughter, that the Holy Spirit comes to remind us. We don't have to try and earn it. We don't have to try and remind ourselves by getting our way through the Bible plans or signing up to this team and that team and doing everything we can to earn it. When we forget who and whose we are, we just need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and testify. Because the Holy Spirit will say, I was there. I was there when it happened. And I testify to you, you weren't bought as a slave. You were bought as a son or a daughter. The Holy Spirit loves to come and testify to our adoption. So if you know Jesus this morning, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you don't, Dan will come and give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus living in you. And at that moment, something eternal happens where your spirit that was once dead, because you know those who haven't got the spirit of God living in them are the walking dead. You look around the streets, it's walking dead. We need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and ignite our spirit. And at the moment we say yes to Jesus, that happens. So maybe we need to do that this morning. Maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and testify and to remind us of who and whose we are. Or maybe we need a top-up of the Holy Spirit and the prayer team will be over there and they'd love to pray for that. But Dan, would you like to come up this morning and just pray for those who need to invite Jesus into their lives or those of us that just need a top-up of this Spirit? Well, what a message. Wow. She doesn't need a clap because she knows her identity is in that of Jesus Christ. It's a mindset shift, isn't it? We're sons, we're daughters. Wow. Let that, let that manifest in your spirit. You are a son. You're a daughter. You're not treated like a slave or a servant. No, you're a son. You're a daughter. Pray that the Holy Spirit will unlock that, a mindset shift right where you are now. 
Don't think in your old way. Think in a new way. Bought at a price. Right now, if you've never accepted Jesus,